Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. All right, everyone, welcome to My Millennial Money Today. Uh, we're continuing our series, Buying Your First Home Before You Buy. So, this is part two of this little mini series. Uh, the first episode, we covered uh, finance and strategy, and we kind of went deep in that. But today, John, we're going to talk about the individual property selection. So, we've nailed the strategy. Then we're going to talk about uh, negotiation. So, how do we negotiate when we find the uh, the property? We'll talk about uh, some other things, but let's start with some things from the Facebook group. So we put it up in the Facebook group and I I basically said, are there things that you regret or are there things that worked and you want to scream from the top of the rafters, uh, the top of your lungs uh, that you want people to know about? So do you want to read some of those things, John? Sure. So Sarah Emily says, amazing conveyancer. Uh, spreadsheets, our mortgage is less, is less than 30% of our income. Our mortgage is easily affordable on one income. Got a finance clause in the contract, so that's definitely a no-brainer, that one. Uh, and inspecting a good 20 properties before buying. So a lot of people know my thoughts on properties to, to look at before buying. Um, 20 is a good starting point, Sarah, to as a minimum to, to understand what the market's doing and get a good feel for what you don't want so that you then know what you do want. A regret for her is potentially buying too soon and not researching the neighbours properly. It was emotional because it was our first property. Now, I wanted to quickly make a note on that. Researching the neighbours is an interesting one because it's something that's out of your control, but it's something that needs to be thought about. Yeah, and I've actually got that as a talking point. Right. So when we get to the individual property section, okay. can we swing back around and cover it I'll, there? I'll leave that. We'll park that for now. Yeah. So what else have you got from the Facebook group? Uh, Laura Rachel says, meet with a broker before you start looking. Uh, Steffi Miles says, check your council mapping. That's a very good one. We haven't... Talk to us about that, John. Yeah. So she says it should tell you about flooding, overland flow paths, busy roads, flight paths, and zoning. Crime data is also available online. You can get a lot of info from desktop assessment. I think it's also also worth knocking on the neighbours' doors to check if there are fencing, tree, or boundary disputes that could cause problems later. So, yeah, we do a, a hell of a lot of council mapping in our own research, right, but it is a timely exercise. So if you, if you dig deep into that area that you're buying, then... 100%. It's a great way to look at the do's and don'ts in those particular areas. So, my conveyancer who's done all my properties, yep. uh, and her name's Linda Gulliver at Aubrey Brown Solicitors, Aubrey Brown Solicitors in Tugra. Yes. Um, reach out if you want a gun conveyancer, you need to call Linda. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, she. a good conveyancer should check all that because I know when I've bought my properties, she she checked to make sure there was not a freaking big uh, train station going to get yeah. built next door. She checked whether there's a big coal seam underneath and whether they're putting a, mm. a coal loader next door. Yeah. So uh, am I correct to say a good sub- conveyancer would nail that stuff? They would nail the big ticket items, but I don't think they would go as deep as the research you would do yourself. As an example? Uh, so look, Steffi's mentioned busy roads. Sure. They won't look at that. Yeah. Right, flight paths maybe, zoning definitely, overland flow paths probably, flooding definitely. Yep. Like, um, but again, it, it it speaks to the team of people. The conveyances are 
good, bad, and ugly, aren't they? I mean, like where we live. So, for example, uh, Central Coast Highway down there at um, Forrester's Beach. Yeah. You know where the servo is and it's one aisle or one yeah. lane each way. Yeah. They're about to tear all that crap up and mm. put a freaking dual carriageway yeah. freaking road there. So, yeah. if you are a local like in the area that you want to live, mm. well, Blind Freddy should know that if you buy on that road, it's not yeah. going to be a little road and no. one day it's going to turn around and they're going to put a, a decent Yeah, and it's already there. very busy. So yeah. getting in there and looking around yourself. But, but but that speaks to John, like before you, if you're new to a new location, yeah, sure, you got your strategy nailed that we want to buy a freehold property with at least 500 square meters or whatever. Yeah. If you're new to a location, do you rent in the area first for six months to get a vibe? Yes, and that that's a very good way to find out what you do and don't want. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like as Steffi's done, uh, a lot of information can be found online, and mm. and that's where your council, your Australian Bureau of Statistics, your um, RP data if you got a subscription, realestate.com, domain, uh, you you can actually have a good conversation with a town planner. Right, they'll mm. actually get on the phone and, and have a chat to you. But again, all of this speaks to taking the time to research all of these things, know what you're looking for, but then taking the time out to um, check some balances. You got any other bangers there? Um, I have got one here. Not knowing how, or Shelley D says, not knowing how important it was to do my research on my own, instead trusting the words that fell out of the real estate agent's mouth without cross-checking them. So... Yes, real estate agents there to do a job on behalf of the vendor, sell the property in the quickest possible time frame for the highest possible price. So I agree totally. Yes, take it with a grain of salt, do your own research, know your comparable sales, and then come in and allow them to talk as much as they want. Yeah. The uh, Jessica wrote, uh, Jessica Rothmund, not my first home, but second home when I was still pretty young, 24 listened too much to the real estate agent mm. and didn't insist that the building inspector do a proper inspection when his report was full of could not properly inspect the area. Mm. We're now living with 20 cave issues that need to be resolved. Right. So Michael Jonko says, get a pest and building inspection, not an optional thing. Stopped us losing 50K on an older property with waterproofing issues. Mm. And I think... If we now just move on to kind of the individual property selection part, you've got to, there's this thing. It's like, unless it's brand new or within that seven year or whatever, I think they've even reduced it to five years in some states, John, with the builder's warranty insurance. Mm. Like, unless it's brand new, you need to know that there are risks. Yeah. And you are exposed to those risks as soon as the property settles. Yeah. Now, that could be from, hot water system to a structural issue that was missed on the building inspection and the building inspection, they give you a good guide. But in my life, they don't mean squat because they're full of disclosures and uh, they're full of disclaimers anyway to say we're not liable. So I like to think, yes, you should get a pest and building inspection because for me, they are looking at the wholesale things like, oh, there's been a water leak. Thank you. Yeah. Like that's all we need. Yeah. They are looking for the, um, there was white ants. Yeah. So I don't think we should hang our hat on the pest and building, but no, it's like when you buy a car, mm. you know, you really want the pre-purchase inspection. Just go look at the shock, are the shockies rooted or not? Yeah. Like, yeah, they yeah, are. Sweet. Right. At least I know. Yeah. But they're not going to know if the fuel pump's about to break. No. Nah. You can't tell. Because it's, if it's working, it's working. Yeah, that's right. So I think mm. there is, you know, the pest and building, it is for wholesale things. Yeah, totally. So life is full of risks and... It's just about minimising them in every every way possible, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And if you are looking to buy a townhouse or a unit and there's a strata, um, if it's a strata building, basically for those who are unaware, uh, all of the unit holders or the you know, allotment holders or tenants or owners, property owners contribute every quarter to help fund things like building maintenance. Yeah. Uh, if there is a, 
a rubbish crew that come in and take all the bins out once a week or mm. if it's a bigger property, someone who cleans the barbecue area. So everyone contributes to that. Yeah. You really want your conveyancer to go over the strata reports with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Because that's going to be your biggest problem uh, because, you know, a pest and building inspection, it could be harder on a multi-story building. Yeah, totally. And and even in those complexes, talking to some of the owners as well, mm. you know, it doesn't go astray. But someone mentioned in the Facebook group um, low strata fees as an issue. Mm. Uh High high strata fees aren't that flash either, so yeah, <laughs> I think it's getting a balance through as much research yeah, as so possible. With the strata things, and I'll just give everyone a, a four one one or some of an, some other number that makes it that I'm giving them the goss or the tea on it. Mm. So, with the strata complex, you might pay fourteen hundred dollars a quarter, which would go towards the rates for the building, rubbish removal, cleaning. Mm. $200 of that per quarter, I'm making a number up here, might go to what they call the sinking fund, which is for capital works. So we know if there's, uh, I'll make the number, 100 units in the building, that one day the whole building is going to need to be repainted. Mm. Whether it's in 10 minutes or 10 years, we know that the building's going to be repay, uh, repainted. Yeah. So what they do is they say at the strata committee, and I would recommend if you own in one of these complex, make sure you're on the strata committee, so at least you can have some type of say, hey, everyone, we're going to take $200 per quarter of every owner and put in a separate account. Mm. So when the painting is due, we just move that money out of the account and the painting's paid for. Yeah, There was a property over here on, I think, Tulum Bay Road that I looked at a million years ago. I was going to buy it. Uh, the only reason I didn't, John, is there was a, um, a special levy and you can look at the strata report minutes so you can ask to see them. I actually went over to the strata manager's office and there was a special levy. They just had a quote to replace the roof that was going to be 60 grand uh. and they didn't have money in the sinking fund. So it was an unforeseen expense that the body corporate and yeah. the owner's corporation didn't realize. So what they did, they have to put a special levy on everyone, mm. say, hey, everyone, for the next three months, we're all paying or the next three quarters, we're all yeah. paying X amount. So that's just a trap there and I'll really get you to push on your conveyancer to help you if you are buying uh, a, a new building, like is an off the plan yeah. or really an, an older property, uh, just to look at these outliers. Totally, yeah. So that was a bit of a, a preach there but I just think we want to – because a lot of people live in cities and strata's a big part of everyone's life. Yeah, and if, if there is cost of works need to be done – there's no option. They've got to get it done and they need to charge you. So Totally. So I like to say, you know, we've got our strategy. We know, and let's use an example, John. We know that we, we'll just make a, a situation up. Um, where's a regional centre around Australia? Dubbo. Dubbo. Dub Vegas. <laughs> Home of the zoo. Home of the zoo. So if you're in Dubbo, New South Wales, um, you've got your money sorted yet. We've got pre-approval for 500 grand. We've done our high level strategy, mm. which means we want a, a house, a freehold property that's a house and we want at least 600 square meters. Okay. Yeah. We don't really want it to be a corner block. We don't really want to worry about room for a, a granny flat or whatever. Yeah. So we just want a 600 square meter freehold house. Mm-hmm. Two bedroom. Oh, mm. sorry, three bedroom, two bath, or whatever that is. Yeah. So we're in Dub Vegas. So we've nailed that down. So now we need to say this is the property type. We need to go shopping and still try and do this without emotion. Mm. I mean, a bit of emotion's good because, you know, we want to live in there and enjoy this because yeah. your first home, it's an enjoyable time. And I don't, there's just no greater rush than. You know, that day you get the keys and you walk in and it's empty. I remember like I, at the time, my girlfriend at the time, we had pizza and ate it on the floor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> to um, have pizza on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think generally people look at their price point, don't they? So well, if it is Dubbo, what's 500 grand going to get me? And 
they'll look at a shortlist on realestate.com and domain and, and say, well, I can get a three three bedroom brand new townhouse for yep. 500 grand, or I can get a, a two bedroom house on a large block, or I can get a three bedroom good house on a small block, right? Mm. So maybe they might be the three options. Yep. Um, so that's then usually where emotion kicks in and logic can remain well, anonymous. And this is where. I think it's just so important and that's why I kind of use the example that the couple of things I want to talk about, we've gone through the strategy part and all the emotion should be almost filtered out because we've agreed that we want a house, three better-ish on a block. Yeah. So it's not this, oh, we strolled into a... A, a townhouse yeah and we're just so in love with it because of whatever reason no it's like, no. no 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 yeah before we start to fall in love with properties we've decided that we don't want a townhouse yeah and that's you or i that's fine but yeah. so many potential purchases out there go stay stay or get off the railway line yeah. and and say oh that that townhouse actually i can make that work confirmation bias kicks in and says that's and, nice and glossy and it, and it could there could be a property that takes you by surprise mm. But you just want to make sure that it's not a regret. No, that's right. But, and that's why I said it's just so important to nail the strategy. Yeah. And again, that will maybe come apparent with your finance pre approval. So I kind of, you know, to really get pragmatic, this is what I like to do. And there are some, like, I think I did a podcast interview with somebody. And all these reasons, it was the reasons not to buy because it's kind of getting emotional and petty. Yeah. But I would challenge that because, as an example, write down a list of shat in your current place that you can't stand. So yeah. if you if you're living in a 1920s pre-war bloody house and yeah. three of the rooms, the old windows don't open mm. because it's that bloody old. You want to make sure that when you buy a new house, that little thing doesn't piss you off. Yeah. Because you just were putting up with it as a rental. Yeah. So on your list of things that shat you to tears, if it's the windows, mm. check all the windows. You should do mm. it anyway. Mm. You know what I mean? So just yeah. find those things that really piss you off where you're renting at the moment. Yeah. Because from an emotional point of view, it's like like I lived on a main road. Yeah. When I rented before I moved here. Like if I moved in here and then realized that there was road noise, I'd probably have an aneurysm. Yeah, no, true. But I'd challenge that a little bit and going back to location versus dwelling. Mm. Like if if you had a superior location but the windows weren't working versus an inferior location with a smick set of windows, mm. which one would you choose? Well, it, it would go back to like what you said, what, what are you hanging your hat on? Is yeah. it the individual property or is it the location? That's it, yeah. So keeping that strategy nice and clear and concise with maybe streets or suburbs first and then getting down to the nitty-gritty of do the do the uh, windows work, do the do the carpets smell all right, do the, what's the colour of the roof, those yeah. sort of things. Because a lot of those things can be changed over time, but one thing's for sure, the location can't be. No unless you want to pay stamp duty again and move. <laughs> yeah, like that particular yeah, location totally. doesn't change. Totally. Yeah. I was being hilarious, John, back Yeah, off. you were. Yeah. So, Weird but I, I still think as a, a general exercise, and there'll be personality types out there that mm. uh, get my vibe, and there's plenty who don't, um, <laughs> but, you know, what shat you to tears? Yeah. Because you just don't want it, like, and that's the, the trade-off. It's mm. like, I guess my next kind of point, and again, you'll obviously correct me if I'm wrong, John. I never Write do. down and agree on with your partner if there's, you know, two of you. What are the absolute non-negotiables? Mm. And yeah. then write down uh, what would be nice but no big deal. Yeah. So absolute non-negotiables. We are not living on a main road. Yeah. Like no, not even going to look at it. Yeah. Like you might just for some research to see, okay, well, this is a piece of crap on a main road and it's X amount. Yeah. The one in the back street's a bit more premium. Yeah, we can get why it's a bit more of a premium price. But I really think you need to nail your non-negotiables. Yeah. And that could be we want to start a family one day. We can't be bothered renovating. So there needs to be an ensuite. And I think a lot of those non-negotiables 
we'll come back to highest and best use of money that we've got. Yep. So not buying on a busy road, like that's a macro indicator that we should avoid anyway, yep. right? Irregular shape block, flooding issues, like major slope, like all those things are a wealth creation deterrence. Mm. So, but they're also human uh, decision makers that uh, that play into your emotions. Aren't they? What if someone's got a non-negotiable of windows that don't open properly? <laughs> Hopefully their partner's a carpenter. So, yeah. I, I, so, because we're talking really about the individual mm. selection here. Yeah. So, like if, if someone fires a property and the non-negotiable is, no, we actually want an ensuite, mm. do you then go down the rabbit hole of, oh, everything else works. If we can get this 20 grand off, we'll renovate the bastard and put an ensuite in or extend. Like, yeah, I, I don't know, because I'm not a... My personality isn't a fixer-upper type guy. No, and I was just going to say that, and I wasn't going to say that that was what you were, but you can. the checklist, how many green ticks, how many red crosses are mm. we getting when we put five houses together? And that that's probably what, what it comes down to. And having the ability to think, well, yeah, I can put an ensuite on or we can do that in a few years' time. We don't need it yet. We're going to have maybe two kids mm. We'll maybe need another bedroom at some stage. Can we add that on? But again, I, you know, I hate repeating myself, but it goes back to strategy. We want to fix her upper because mm. we just want to do that on the weekends. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah. That kind of just means that you've probably got more options mm. because it's an old shack. But within the fixer upper, what's the non-negotiables that we need? And yeah. is that external... Uh, sideways access because we want to do the granny flat later. Yeah, that's right. So mm. I, I don't know. I just really want to use these type of podcasts, like any episodes that we yeah. do, just to get juices flowing for people because, yeah. you know, I listen to podcasts all the time and they talk about stuff and I want to jump in through the speakers and go, oh, you didn't mention this. Yeah. But yeah. no, we didn't mention that because we're using this for you to think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and look, again, location, dwelling, it all comes back to – personal choice and, and having that long-term view. Now, let's talk about uh, some other soft things. So you said, you know, we can't choose the location, as in we can't change the location. Yeah. We can change the windows, we can't change the location. I did write, you know, knock on the door of the neighbours, you know, are mm. they crackheads and yeah. ask if the area, if they like living there. Yeah. So do you want to continue your train of thought from yeah. earlier around some of the things and while you're thinking john i would also encourage people like what's the suburb like at night so mm. can you go and drive out the front sit out the front at night in peak times or 5 30 yeah. 6 p.m is there street parking is it a debacle is there a pub on the corner and are there you know a million people walking past on a friday night kicking bottles laughing and pushing each other and yeah you know, whatever. Like some yeah. people like the vibe, some people don't. So, you know, well, that's noise, it. all that stuff. I, I think you and I are different beasts. Thank God. <laughs> We've got very different choices that or, or interests, right? So and Tolerance levels, if you will. <laughs> tolerance. So what you would like in a street may be different from what I would like in a street. Absolutely. Now, I've never bought a house or, or sorry in my research of buying a house i've never checked the neighbors out right it just it didn't interest me like right. i've yes i've driven down the street and and i've, I've seen what it, the feel of the area was like but i've never knocked on doors and said how do you like living here now your personality would do that right yeah because i like my sanctuary correct yeah but i also am a i suppose a uh well i don't even know the word for it but Neighbours can change, mm. right? Things can change that are out of my control. So, yeah, I could knock on the neighbour's door. When I lived at Tumby, they were crackheads. Yeah. And, and I had to call the cops on a lot of domestic violence issues. Yeah. And so that's why it's like I just I can't handle the yelling. No, that's right. Like and, and yeah, at night and, and during the day. I mean, <laughs> and I probably don't want to live next to that no. either. But. Yeah, generally speaking, you've got to be comfortable to do your research to get to the point where you can say, yeah, this is what I want and this is what I'm prepared to pay for it and I'll go and buy it. You know, it's funny and, yeah, I'll get onto this because I want to cover, you know, after we talk about negotiation, 
about, you know, what's stopping you? Mm. Is it like, because there's so many variables. I know you're listening now. There's probably 10% of you. You've had the cash for years. You've been looking for years. You just can't find the one. And that's analysis paralysis. You can't line up everything. Yeah. Perfect doesn't exist. And when I speak to people that have been looking and haven't got what they wanted, usually it's a result of not doing all these things that we're speaking about. There's just not enough research and time spent in to get our hands dirty to find options out there in the first place. But don't you think like if you purchased up there where you live, I won't tell everyone your street, but like what do you do if you, you got there, like you've got a dog, you've got kids, what if you get some old asshole who's just whinges 25-8? Yeah, and to some extent we have got that. Like there's four or five footies go over the fence and yeah. we don't get them back for a couple of weeks. Like when, yeah, I suppose I'm a bit blasé about that stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, like it's um, – they probably don't like our kids making noises and kicking footies yeah. either. So, I mean, you, you can't – to an extent you've got to just – be a little bit flexible in what you're buying because if, if would that- you okay, would you have bought that if the property next door there was three car bodies mm. and grass up to here? If it was the only house in that street that looked like that, I would. Right. But I'd know majority listeners would probably say no, I wouldn't. Yeah. We knew that was the street we wanted and we yeah, it would. It was going to work. Will for you our get needs. ocean views when you go up? Yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Bloody but this is podcast is not about my yeah <laughs> where I live. <laughs> Just giving everyone an insight <laughs> to how much of a wealthy capitalist pig John is. No, absolutely <laughs> he's not. He's worked now, hard for everything he's got. One thing we haven't spoken about mm. is buying entity with partners. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. So, do you want to start with um, buying with friends? Yes. So joint tenants and tenants in common are your two options, right? So generally speaking, you need to know what your outcome is. I think regardless of whether you're boyfriend, girlfriend, husband and wife, just straight joint venture. You've got to know for asset protection, for, for your wills and estate plan, all of that, you need to know what you've got. Yeah. So with your tenants in common... Right, you've got the ability to hang on, I've got to get this right. Yeah, yeah. Choose where your fifty percent goes. Yeah, so let's I think it's it's very opportune to use a very practical example to paint a picture. Mm. So we'll assume for this example, when we talk about uh, tenants in common and joint tenants, that John and I are going to buy a property worth five hundred grand mm. and Dubbo. there's no mortgage on it. Okay. So we've both said we want to buy this property fifty fifty. There are two options, as John said. The first option is called tenants in common. So what that means is John buys 50%, I buy 50%. We've both got a share of 250 grand, but on the title of the property, it's tenants in common. So that means if I was to die prematurely, John still owns his half but the other half is owned by my estate. Mm. Now, at some point, the estate will need to be wound up. Yeah. So the property will either need to be sold completely if John can't buy my half out yep. at market rates at the time. Mm. So that style is usually uh, used if you are buying with friends. It could be a second marriage. It could be a de facto relationship if one partner's got kids already. Mm. And it doesn't need to be 50-50. It can be whatever split. Um, that it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, if one, you know, and again, it kind of is going beyond the scope of first home buying, but Sorry. particularly ordinarily, if it is a couple who are in a romantic relationship for the long term, ordinarily, uh, you'd probably say as a rule of thumb, if as a couple that's married, it would be joint tenants. Mm. So if John and I were married and this same property was joint tenants, if I was to die, the half that I own does not go to my estate. Mm. It instantly goes to John. Yes. Yeah. Now, and that's where a good conveyancer slash lawyer comes into play because we've actually got a, a property tenants in common, Amy and I. Right. 
because of asset protection. Yeah. Right. So that's another element of it. Now, if you're listening here saying, well, I'm just buying property on my own, the last three minutes has been a waste of time mm. for you, but it's good to know. Possibly the last <laughs> 200 episodes over the last three years have been a waste of time, but um, whatever, we're here now. But yeah, you've just got to got to know that it will um, it will default if you don't announce it. So that's where your conveyancer should be mm. talking you through that. Yeah. So if you were buying with a best friend or a friend or a related party, mm. yeah, my motherhood statement would be get advice mm. and I'd probably make the comment that most advice that you would be given we would be to hold the property in tenants in common. Mm. So just on that, so you're buying with a friend, uh, you've both got a good income, you both put 20 grand into the property, mm. so there's a 40 grand deposit. Um it's probably worth seeing a solicitor to draw up some type of agreement between you as the friends. Totally. So some of the things that you need to consider would be notice periods. If someone's situation changes, mm. what's going to happen with the property? Mm. Because, you know, I remember probably most clients that I dealt with in the past that had property tenants in common with friends, the property was sold within five years because, you know, under 25s, under 30s, mm. life changes, situation mm. changes, and they do their ass. Yeah. They bought in the wrong place and yeah, is it like simpler just idea. to rent with your friend? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or you buy it and get them to rent off you. Yeah. You've just got to have check-in points, uh, maybe year one, year three, year five, something like that, mm. and know what your exit plans are going to be if, if scenario A, B, or C plays yeah. out. And it could be like, if one person wants to uh, move out, well, there needs to be discussion. Mm. Um, what happens to, you know, the the other half? Yeah. Like the mortgage needs to be paid. Yeah. If one person uh, actually wants to exit the property, there needs to be a notice period. And it might be, okay, if either of us want to actually exit and sell, there needs to be a six-month notice that we yeah. write down. And you don't have to do it. It could work out, all right, well, I'll sell too, and it happens within two months or three yeah. months. But at least if someone's not budging, you can pull that thing out of the drawer and say, hey, we agreed on this. That's right. I'll now sue your ass and I'll make a court sell this bastard. Yeah. But that's the extreme. But you just need to have the chat. You don't want it to come to that, no. Well, do you want to have a chat about or anything else in terms of the individual property selection? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah, look, I think understanding... The location for me is number one, mm. like knowing where that's going to be and, and knowing whether that's going to be option one, two or three. Is it the next 30 years for you? Is it a five to 10 year plan to then upgrade to a uh, maybe a better location? And if that's the case, how are we going to get ourselves there? Because usually what happens in that scenario is the location we're in, if it's not the one we want to be in, the one that we want to be in is usually going to be more expensive and the growth in that area may be far superior to the one that we're actually living in. Mm. So how are we going to fast track ourselves to that? Is it, it, and there's only two ways, growth, capital growth or savings. Yeah. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with negotiation. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, John. So, you recently did an episode on My Millennial Property uh, with Emily Wallace around how to choose the right price and all that stuff. Yes. So, I don't know. What's your vibe when we talk about how do we actually start the negotiation process? How do we put in an offer? Mm. What like what do we do? So, yeah. So, I think you're right. In that episode, we, we went detailed into the process from start to finish and how you, how you attack that. But- I think you need to know if it's if it's a house of interest or, or a property of interest, you need to know what you're prepared to pay for that as though you're going to auction. Yep. Right? Now, 
if you were going to auction tomorrow, what would be your final bid before you walked away? And and you've you've got to stick to that in the negotiation process. So going in low, we, we like to always go in low with offers, but you'd, you'd express your interest and I think they usually require you to go through the home or inspect it somehow, get a copy of the contract, so section 32, and if it is a short list of properties that you're going to buy, get your conveyance and look over the contract. But then the negotiation process, ideally, you needs to be in writing. So they'll, they'll only accept offers that are in writing, not verbal. So then you're putting it in at a, at a probably a figure that you feel slightly uncomfortable about. So Yeah, if you don't feel a bit embarrassed or uncomfortable, take a couple of grand, 20, 30 grand. Yeah, offer. that's right. And I think having the relations with the agents prior to that definitely helps. Mm. Okay, we're, our finances is in order. We're going to buy something in the next month. We've just got to find out which one it is. Here's our offer. Mm. Subject to building and pest, finance, whatever you want to want to make it. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going to put in a lowball offer, you've got to be also thinking what's in it for the vendor. Yeah. So... It's got to be a win-win. So if it's worth nine hundred and you're putting in an offer of eight fifty, well, that eight fifty might be no finance clause because you know your finance is solid, and it might be settlement in twenty-eight days instead of forty yeah. because you know that the vendor wants to get out quick and you're appealing to their needs. So just to make it very clear, the no finance clause basically means the offer is not subject to finance because we know we've got our pre-approval. Mm. So that could be a leave, leave it a pull. Yeah. Say, hey, we've made this offer. There's no finance clause and we're open with them uh, in relation to settlement periods, whether they want a longer settlement or a yeah. shorter one. Yeah. And hopefully, again, due diligence means you've done your research to say, yeah, we know the vendor wants to get out quick or we know he actually wants to stay or she wants to stay longer. So you can you already know what your offer is going to be based on the vendor. Yeah, and I've heard um, like I was talking with someone the other day. They've just bought a property, and they were happy with a three month settlement. Yeah, because it gave them time to move. It was just a win win. So yeah. like anything, any negotiation, it's if it's a win win, you've got more chance. Yeah, as simple as that. Yeah. So what about just in terms of real estate agents? You know. Real estate agents are licensed. Yes. They've got a legal or a requirement to pass on any offer. Yes. So, I mean, you don't want to play silly buggers with agents because you want to respect them as the people that they are. Mm. But, yeah, if you think you want to put in an offer for whatever reason or you've heard that, you know, it's a deceased estate or something like that, go and try and steal it. Don't be intimidated no that's right and like we've been dealing in a couple of areas for the last six to 12 months or longer and having good relationships with agents is is critical yeah i think telling them your story does definitely help them yeah or helps you because it just it gives you an understanding where the agent can actually help you out at the same time as the vendor Mm. the genuine ones any case uh, whereas a lot of people go in with their backup. It's yeah. like, oh, I go through an open home and I don't talk to the agent and I don't want to give them my details. Like I actually try to do the opposite. Yeah. Um, well, it's just you're dealing with humans and, yeah. you know, if you're an asshole, people are going to be wanting to deal with you less. And we love off-market properties too. So the chances of getting off-market properties are, are are more appealing for the agent to send to you if you've been nice to them at the open home, yeah. if you've told them a few more things than the normal person. So the episodes that on My Millennial Property that I encourage you to listen to, episode 231, What to Tell an Agent, and episode 232, Setting a Realistic Budget. So uh, Emily and John talk about that whole negotiation, what are properties for, and Emily, she's a gun. Yes. And so... Off-market purchase, letterbox drop. If you like a town, you like a street, letterbox drop, hey, you might put a photo of you and your family or your partner. We want to buy in this area if you are interested. Yeah. Would you want to have a chat with us? Would prefer just to not go through agents? Is that the type of vibe you would, <laughs> yeah. you would do? Yeah, we've had some interesting responses to those uh, letterbox drops over time, but be prepared to do it because not a lot will do it. Um, so 
yeah, off-market properties come in different forms, but generally speaking, the direct-to-vendor who owns that particular property uh, is one, and the second one is uh, a vendor may have approached the agent. The agent says, well, I don't want to list this property yet. If I can get a quick sale, knowing that you're interested in something because you've given us your brief already, then that can happen before it even goes to market. And also, it'd be, uh, I guess, remiss of me not to mention if the shoe fits, definitely check out a buyer's agent. Yeah. Like if maybe if you are time poor, maybe yeah. if you uh, need to outsource that part and you've got your strategy nailed. Yeah. That's like, right. So you've got your cash. We've got a strategy. We just want a three better, two yeah. bath, one and a half car garage within 25 Ks of the CBD. Mm. Can you please go and get me a property? Yeah. Absolutely outsource that. That's right. Yeah. But again, everyone's different. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that use buyers, agents and buyers advocates for their first property. A lot of people can't because they're just not at that price point. But yeah. if in doubt, you know, chat with a buyer's agent. Yeah, um, reach out to John. He's got some contacts. Uh, yeah. If you want, we've got contacts. Emily Wallace is in Melbourne. East, mm. Is it East Melbourne she is or the South? I yeah, Southeast basically. Southeast, yeah. yeah. Um, and we've actually, I haven't really announced this, but John's podcast, My Millennial Property, uh, I'm actually going to stop doing that and Emily's going to take my space. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah when were you going to tell me that? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just over doing that, like another podcast. Yeah. But she's more switched on than me anyway when it comes to property. Yeah, So right. it's better um, better value for the community. So the, the last thing I want to finish on, and we'll read some more statements from the Facebook group, and I'll just put this section under other. Can you block out negative talk from your life? So are you around family members? Oh, you shouldn't do that because of this or, oh, be careful. Or oh, uh, uh. Yeah. So it's either the the people in your life, they're scared because they don't understand. They don't understand that you've got a really cracking income. You've got a really cracking uh, deposit. They're just giving advice based on their situation and their fears, not yours. Yeah. So you need to be around uh, people who are for you and will encourage you. Yeah. And if that means jumping the Facebook group, Posting up, hey guys, we're looking for a property. Any tips? Like, get some community engagement. Uh, if that means chatting to John, three hundred bucks clarity call. Talk to John for forty-five minutes. I don't know. You might, John. I'm just making this up now, but you could say to John, "Hey, can I do three clarity calls over the next three months and help me kind of get this property?" If you don't have anyone in your world, I'm sure you'll do a package deal because he's commercial like that, aren't you, Johnny boy? Well, I'm now. No. <laughs> I was kicking his feet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just – and then I would probably finish with, you know, what is stopping you? So, a couple of hardline things that will stop you mm. uh, would be the money or you can't get a parental guarantor. So, you physically can't borrow money yeah. to buy property. Yeah. So, that can be fixed over time. Yeah. Another thing that might stop you could be fear, which can be fixed – in a shorter period of time, if you lean in and start to learn, do John's Solvair Property Academy, yeah. do a clarity call, get some information, get help. You know, yeah. the fear will go if you have data and information and understanding. Yeah. And I think, we fear what we don't understand. Well, the, the fear of something that, that is also out of our control. Like what's actually in our control is the key components here. We've got to control the controllables. But one at the moment is property is going to go down in value because of COVID, mm. right? Well, yeah, some asset classes may go down in value, but over time they, they're going to be winners over a 20-year period. Did you see the AFR article the other day? And it was like property values decrease. And in the body of the article, it was like, oh, we'll see a, a 1% decrease. Yeah. I'm like- why are we reporting on a 1% decrease? Yeah, that's right. 1%. That's yeah. that's life. And it was two capital C's yeah. out of the others. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like, and this is, there is no property market. There are thousands of individual markets. Yeah. So, you know, particularly where we live on the New South Wales Central Coast, there's, you know, I can drive three kilometers from my house or five minutes down the road and be in a completely different property market than I'm in right now. Mm. So that is not the property market of Australia. I, where I live and where John lives, you know, we are closer to the beach than suburbia that's five minutes west. 
that's a completely different market. So you just can't think there is one market. And then I just would really say, you know, if there is analysis paralysis, I think you need to get out of your own echo chamber, talk with somebody else. But first and foremost, what is stopping you and your partner, uh, identify it, focus on it and fix it. So going back to that, mm-hmm. I've there was one in the AFR on the weekend. Yeah. Headline, investors trapped with apartments they can't sell. Yeah. Right. I, that's the one I read. Was it? Yeah. I, I read a couple, but that was one of them. So here... Unit prices decline 1.2% yeah. in the same period. Piss off. 1%. Don't even talk to me. That's clickbaity AFR. Yeah. Who wrote that? No, don't say it. <laughs> I know a journo there and I was going to give him a cheeky spray. But nah, it's fair. No, but wh- why are we writing an article on a 1%? Well, that's that, media, isn't a, it? A 1% is going to happen COVID or not. But did it make you and I click through? Yeah, just because I'm bloody curious of what they're crapping on about. Yeah, that's right. But it made two of us... Click yeah. through if the if the headline said uh, unit drop prices drop one point two percent, I yeah. wouldn't have clicked on it. <clears throat> no, because you're like that's rubbish. It's clickbait. Mm-hmm. All right, let's finish up, Johnny. Right, I've got to go. Yeah, but um, Daniel said a win for him was having extra money for painting, moving uh, an essential work before moving in. He just kind of wants to note that it's. It's not 5% and fees like moving costs and stuff. Yeah. So, again, if you're buying a an old 1920s pre-war shack, yeah. probably going to have to spend a couple of dollars on it. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. And his regret was not buying sooner. Nat said, start saving early even before buying a house is on the cards. When you get your first job, set up your accounts and get into that habit early. Speak to a broker or a few first up to see what you're entitled to, borrowing power, etc. Find someone you know and trust and gel with. Ask all the questions. Don't be money hungry with what the broker slash bank tells you what you can borrow. Um, factor in interest rate. So there's a lot of just stuff there that she's echoing what we've said. Uh, Stuart kind of goes back to what John was saying earlier or last episode. Read the local environmental plan, understand it. Uh, find as much details from council as possible. Uh, Sean says, understand your real financial position. And I cut the rest off. So sorry, Sean. Alicia said, make sure you have a solicitor you're happy with before you start seriously hunting. I found my dream property before I found the solicitor and it added a lot of unnecessary stress to buying process. So yeah, I don't know. I I would definitely make sure you've got a good conveyancer in your corner that you can call on because once you're in serious hunting mode, um, it's not the time to be scrambling to look for a conveyancer or solicitor. One thing on that, Mm. it happens a little bit, uh, especially if we're looking uh, hard and deep with multiple properties up our sleeve, we may need the conveyancer to look over more than one contract. Totally. So just say to them from the beginning. I'm going to be sending you a few. Yeah, what's the deal with this? And do you charge? Like, So this is legitimate as well. Some conveyances might go, yeah, we charge 1200 bucks. I'm making up a number. Don't quote me or hold me to it. Uh, we charge $1,200, but you know, if you want to send through three or four contracts, yeah. we'll look at them for you. Yeah, but best to say that up front. Totally. And then what else with the conveyancer? If you are going to auction, you're going to have to do a pest and building and conveyance each property, even if you don't win. Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Well, they, you need to have a conveyancer in the state or registered in the state that you're purchasing in. Yeah. And you would have a building and pest non-negotiable every time anyway. Yeah. Um, you can purchase the building and pest off um, someone when you're potentially going to auction, off the vendor, sorry. Uh, now... That's cool. That's it, It's reduced price because it's already done once. Uh, personally, I would still like to go and get, get my own. Another thing that I wrote in the um, individual stock selection type stock, and I mean stock as in housing stock, the individual selection, like you've got arms, legs, and eyes. Yeah. If you can, you know, if you're honing in on one, look under the sinks, look yeah. in the wet areas, yeah. look in the lawn, and you're going to do it, but just really like, Look, is there water? Is there mold? What I like to do always is organize an inspection, if you are serious, with the agent, with no one else there. Mm-hmm. And particularly if the building has been empty for a while, meet the agent there, make sure you're early so you can go in and you get a good sniff of it. 
before like before they open all the windows and all uh, that uh. because if there's three bodies bodies buried underneath uh. that's a problem you need to know all the stuff Absolutely. and if that means using all your senses uh, <laughs> can you take a step ladder or if you can't take your father or your brother or your mother or your aunt take someone with a step ladder and a torch pop the manhole cover look into the ceiling space Mm, have a whiff. Have a whiff. Because <laughs> realistically, if it quacks like a duck and talks like a duck, it probably walks like a duck mm. or whatever that saying is. Yeah. And if you are looking at doing extensions, renovations, whatever, take your builder. Take your builder. Yeah. yeah. So right. anyway, we could talk for hours on Good this. chat. And, and we will continue uh, the episode that we'll do in the coming weeks. Uh, I don't know if it's going to line up with Super September that we're doing, but we'll get another episode to you very soon on what to do once you've settled about mm. spending, about renovating, about property, like buying mm. shat and decorating with shat, painting, all that stuff. Just shat. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And if you listen on Apple and you haven't already, please open the podcast app now because it's about to stop the episode and you're going to have to press stop anyway. Can you please, if you haven't already and you like what we're doing, give us a five star and write some nice words. Hey, if you want to trash us, trash us in the comments, but still give us five star. Don't mess with our algorithm, please. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been real. Thanks, John. Yep. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you, the studio here. Thank you, Nathan. And we'll, uh, we'll chat to you guys soon. Hey, Root. Um, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.